Pushkin. I never actually thought I could learn how to sing. It was my greatest fear until I met Eric Vitro, voice coach to the stars. He's taught everybody from Rene Zellweger to Ariana Grande. And I was so impressed with him, I issued a challenge. Could Eric teach me to sing? Very unlikely. Last season on my show, I explored the idea of coaches in everyday life, who has access to them and how they might give people advantages. I set about testing my theory on Eric, and by the end of the episode, I was belting out Lida Rose, not quite like a Broadway star, but well enough to fool a few people. This stunned me, and of course, you, my listeners, and the folks over at Pushkin, they thought, we can make a show about this. Fast forward one year, and here I am with Eric Vitro to talk about his brand new show with Pushkin, Backstage Pass. The podcast that you and I did together aired a little more than a year ago. And the, the truth is, the, the point of that whole exercise was, was it so we could become friends. Because it's just been great. It's, it's, well, I, I, love, I love that we use that as an excuse to have a friendship. <laughs> I do too. And I have to say, you were such a great student. And when someone is inquisitive and then really works at it and then expresses positive feeling towards what's happening to their voice, well, you can't ask for more than that. And you checked every one of those boxes. So the whole thing was such an incredibly positive experience. So how did you, in the very first place, get involved coaching or teaching anybody how to sing? Well, it's such an odd story. I think that people just roll their eyes and think I'm crazy when I say this. But the truth is, it goes way back to when I was in grade school. And the teacher, my elementary grade school teacher, was a horrible piano player. And somehow I got up the courage one day to walk over and say, if you want, I could play those songs for you. And she was like, what? And I said, yeah, I can play Star Spangled Banner, America the Beautiful, whatever. So I sat down, I played him, I showed her, and that was it. From that day on, every morning, I played the piano when the kids would sing. So then she started saying things like, hey, you know, Jack is having a little trouble singing this song. Could you help him with it? And that's when it started. I started coaching kids. And then a couple of them I took home with me and would, you know, teach them after school. And I, I didn't think of it as me being a teacher. I just thought of, oh, okay, I'm going to help this person do better. Then they were like really grateful and really happy and we'd become friends. And so I think early on I learned, oh, I have something special here or I have something I can give to people and they like it, you know? Such a great story. <laughs> you you didn't know it at the time, but you're your gift had been identified at a shockingly young age. That kind of gift usually doesn't get exposed until much later. So it's 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 cool. It's a great story. Yeah, no, I'm I'm so grateful for it. And you know, most of the people I work with knew from a pretty early age and we talk about that. We're so lucky to have known what it is we wanted to do and then we're really really lucky we get to do it every day and make a living at it. And then even luckier still if you get to be a success at it. That's like, you know, the pinnacle. Mm-hmm. Um, what I remember is when we met, you expressed pretty strongly the urge to somehow document your existence, your career. You were aware that 
what you did was interesting, and you were just wondering, like, how to get what you did across to an audience. When did you first feel that urge, like maybe write a memoir or whatever form it was going to take? When did you first have the sense that, like, that would be a cool thing to do? Hmm. Well, I guess I've thought about that for years, but I've always said I can't write a memoir because if I was to write one about the people I work with, no one would ever trust me again. I, I mean, I even if I was telling good things, I don't think people, the, I, I just don't think they want to be talked about whether it's good or bad. I, I think they love the idea that it's very private between us. But this, it's them saying, oh, no, I, I'd be willing to talk about this. Oh, yeah, I don't mind if everyone hears this. And so this felt really good to me because it's like, all right, well, this is definitely with their blessing because it's their words. They're sharing, you know, with the world. And so I thought, oh, this is the perfect vehicle then for me to do that. Have the people who have who are going to be guests on the show responded kind of uniformly positively, or has there been have there been bumps along the way? No, it's been really, really unbelievably positive, which really makes me happy. I mean, here's the thing, too. I feel like it's not just about voice teaching. Like, I think people listening are going to hear how these people maintain their voice and how they improve it and how they keep working at it. But I think the more important thing would be that people get inspired because, you know, it's not enough just to be born with a great talent or to be born with a great aptitude about something. It's how hard you work, how how much you work at learning about, you know, the craft of whatever it is you're doing, how you keep up with all the new advances that keep happening. Like if I go to a doctor, I want a doctor, first of all, who has empathy, who wants to, you know, keep me healthy because they care about me. So I think that it's really important for people to have a passion and to care about what they do. They want to help the other person and succeed, whether it's your accountant or business manager or doctor or sports coach or whatever it is. But I think also I want people to hear that, yeah, even the most talented people really work at it. They're constantly trying to improve or something that's really important that no one ever thinks about is maintain, maintaining their voice. And I think that'll be inspirational for whatever field you're in. This is going to put you in an uncomfortable position, but I want to- Then don't do it. No, I still want, no, no, no. (laughs) But I want to know- why you think you're good at what you do? That's kind of an easy question, actually. I think there's two reasons why I'm confident that I'm good at what I do. One is that I didn't really feel like I had the greatest support system or the greatest teachers when I was younger. And so I'm determined to be that for all the people I work with now. So I feel like I'm kind of making up for what I didn't get. I'm going to give these people that I'm working with. Whoever's in front of me is going to get the very best of me. So that's the first thing. And then the other thing is that I've really found that if you really put yourself out, if you work really hard at doing the very best job you can and come from every possible angle to make someone better, it fills you with so much energy and so much joy. And I get so much out of it that the more I give to them, I feel like I'm getting that back. And so I'm always trying new things or always, you know, experimenting. Try this, try that. Let's see if this works. I I never stick with the same thing because everybody is so different and people react differently to different exercises, different thoughts, you know, different techniques. I think that makes me a pretty good teacher. I agree. Do you feel like you could teach anybody to sing? You know, I, I get that question all the time. And what I say is, 
I'm very confident that I can make anybody sound better. I can make improvement on anybody. Can I make them sound great? I don't know. That's all, that's up to the gods and the potential of those vocal cords, you know? But I do know I can improve anybody, but I can't turn anybody into the greatest singer on the planet because there's limitations. How much of your job feels to you more like therapy than vocal training? Uh, 90, 10. <laughs> 90, <laughs> 90 being the therapy. Um, well, you know, our mind is so powerful that what you're thinking really affects your voice. It just does. Just like any athlete will tell you it affects their body or a dancer will tell you it affects their body or I assume a surgeon, you know, it affects how they do their surgery and how steady their hands are. I, I think, you know, mentally, is it's so important to help people get into a really good, strong, healthy mindset. It's, it's essential because all the vocal technique in the world can go out the window if your mind isn't in the right place. So I, I really work at both. I feel like they go hand in hand. They're both important. The episodes are going to be joyous and fun to listen to, but they're also educational. And I'm just kind of wondering what you think people might learn from them. Well, the biggest thing I think people are going to learn is even people born with really great voices put in a lot of work. They they warm up during the day. They think about the shows and what they're going to have to do that night. So it will affect what they eat, what they drink, how much they sleep, how they go about their day, what they do during the day getting ready for the show, whether it's resting or eating right or exercising to keep up their energy, uh, doing cardiovascular exercise to help their breath support. So it's a lot of those kind of things, as well as the mental aspect of how do you prepare to get out and sing for, you know, 50,000 people? That's not always easy. And it, will, will listeners find it's, it's kind of different from one guest to the next? Yeah, because every one of them is so different. I mean, there's a few common things I think that'll be a little bit of a through line, but each one is really very different. And and they all have such completely different personalities. That's what I think will really make it fun. And like I said, I think people are going to hear an aspect of each one's personality that you don't always get because, you know, I have my own special relationship with them. And so it's just us talking. And so I think they're going to hear something a little bit more unique than they normally would hear from them. Well, let's talk about what the title is and how we came about it. Well, we came about it because you told me that's what the title should be. <laughs> that's how we came about it. I was hoping you said this is your title. <laughs> I like the title. No. You say the title so it comes out of your mouth first. Backstage Pass with Eric Vitro. I think that's the perfect title. You're taking us. You're taking us into a place where people would love to go and they don't get to go. It really is a backstage pass to understanding. Oh, this is how they did it. This is what helped them. Great. All right. I love you, Michael. I love you and too. And this Eric. was really fun. So now I'm going to introduce you to Backstage Pass. In the first season, Eric will talk to Ariana Grande, John Legend, Camila Cabello. Sean Mendez, Juanez, and more. Eric has inspired all of these stars just as he's inspired me. And I think he'll do the same for you. I had asked you which were your favorite vocal exercises, and you said the roller coasters up and down. Can you give an yeah. example of that so people know what you were talking about? Oh. 
Okay, aim high on the low note, very quiet. He. He. Well, perfect. Much better. Much better. Much better. That was much better. I needed to stretch it out. That was Ariana Grande singing. She may be world famous for her spectacular voice, but that's really just one part of who she is. She's also one of the sweetest and most caring people I know. So when I asked her if she'd be down to demonstrate how a voice lesson works, she said, sure. Let's do it. I love it. Uh, which is a good key, by the way? Is this good? Whatever you want. Right there, wee, wee, wee. Mm -hmm. sure. Okay. Let's try this on a wee. Wee, 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 wee. Then I might say, give it a little more support on the high note. Wee, 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 wee. Now just to loosen up your shoulders. Wee, 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 wee. One more. Oh my gosh. Wee, 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 wee. You're probably more familiar with hearing her singing songs than exercises. Songs like Positions, Dangerous Woman, Thank You Next, God is a Woman. You know, there's a lot of hits in there, so I won't keep going with that. You might have grown up with her on Nickelodeon, where she played the adorable, but shall we say, very dim-witted Cat Valentine on the show Victorious. Or you might have actually seen her on Broadway, where she first got her start in the musical 13. And then if I thought, well, she's sounding a little, not you, because you don't ever get stiff, but let's say someone oh, was yeah, feeling okay. stiff or whatever, I'd say, hey, move around, loosen up your body a little bit. I'm so stubborn when you ask me to move. <laughs> I'm always like, I don't want to flail around. <laughs> I'm waving my arms now just so everyone can visualize. Yeah, it's not just stubborn mm -hmm. on that. Hey. <laughs> there's been times when I've given you an exercise and you, I told someone this one time, I said, yeah, there's times I'll say, I'll play in and you'll go. I'm literally like, Eric, <laughs> that's insane. <laughs> It'll literally be like, la, 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 and I'm like, Eric, that's 78 notes. I don't have time. That's a whole aria. I have to sing God is a Woman in four minutes. I don't have this kind of time. This is Backstage Pass. I'm Eric Vitro. In this podcast, I'm inviting you into my studio to hear how some of the most successful and famous singers work on their craft, the art of singing. They also happen to be students of mine, so I have to say, I know them pretty well. We'll talk about everything, their vocal process, their careers, how their emotional life affects their voice, and how it all intertwines with their lives. For me, being a vocal coach is all about listening and thinking on my feet. I ask a student to do a vocal exercise, and then how their voice responds determines what the next exercise should be. I have to ask myself a lot of questions along the way. How does their voice sound at that moment? Or how did it react to the exercise? What I hear tells me what my student needs at that moment. I'm so glad we just did that, because now people can understand that's how a voice lesson works. I've learned... Yeah. By doing it, because you're now singing a cappella, I think it improves people's ears because they're really hearing themselves. Oh, yeah, it's not fun. Yeah, and they're singing along with the piano. They don't even know like the little tiny things where it goes a little in and out. Ariana and I have been working together for over 14 years now. Well, maybe even more. I think we met in 2007. 
We don't always spend all of our time with singing lessons, though. I mean, we've had some great conversations, and we've spent some really fun holidays together. Guys, we painted each other mugs. (laughs) Are we okay? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I think we are okay, because it was really fun. No surprise, the one she painted was gorgeous and amazing and creative, and mine was okay. But let's rewind. Let's go back to the beginning because, of course, her journey started before ours did. Now, didn't your grandmother take you to your first audition? Yeah, so Nona took me to audition to sing the national anthem at the Panthers game. That was a really cool moment. I remember singing on the ice and being freezing cold. And it was like my first real gig. And I sang the national anthem for the Panthers, my hometown, (laughs) Florida's hockey team. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light? At this point, she's only eight years old. But if you could see her, watch her when she sings this, she has this beautiful look in her eyes and she's already connected with the audience. You can really predict she's going to go somewhere with this singing thing. And it was so fun because I used to go to the games all the time anyway. As a kid, my parents would take me and I had really bad luck. I was hit by the puck like twice. And so I got to ride the Zamboni like (laughs) because they felt bad because my wrist was like broken and mangled and I was like sad. (laughs) So... I was already a huge Panthers fan growing up, so getting to sing and having that be my first, like, real gig kind of was so sweet and so special. And so, yeah, it was really cool. And I remember finishing and being like, I want to do it again. Only you would get hit twice. I know. That is my total luck. That really set the pace here. It sure did. (laughs) But really, Ariana sets the bar high with everything she does. I mean, have you heard this girl sing I Have Nothing by Whitney Houston? It's one of the hardest pop songs there is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I love that song. That's always one of my favorites. That was one of our first songs that we did together when we had our one of our first lessons, right? Yeah, exactly. I remember I always think of you with that song and how great it was. And I think it's one of the best songs ever written. I love that song so much. And then when David Foster came and played the piano for you that I night, know, remember? That was crazy. For anyone who doesn't know, David Foster is a hugely successful songwriter and producer. His really long, long list of collaborations includes artists like Celine Dion, Whitney Houston, Michael Bublé. The list is endless. That was so insane. I remember being like so in awe and just so shook that that happened. This was obviously way later for those listening who don't know the context. This was after 13 and after I met Eric and he had introduced me to David and I got to sing it with him. And that was a really cool thing. That was at the forum, but she also sang it at my house at parties. The only parties, just for context, that I've ever been to in my entire life have all been Eric Vitro parties. That's not just, true. <laughs> just so everyone knows, I have been to four parties in my life, and they've all been Eric Vitro parties. It's <laughs> so not true. It but... is. I promise. They were the best. It's so much fun. There's always so much music and so much singing and great company. So I got to tell you, there's something really so special about seeing Ariana sing in an intimate setting, you know, in a house or in a backyard, at a small party. Of course, not all of the parties we had were small and cozy. 
For one of them that her mom, Joan, and I threw together, we actually crammed about 300 people in a gigantic tent we put up covering my tennis court. We brought in all white sofas and chairs. We placed a gorgeous grand piano right in the center behind the pool, and the pool was filled with floating white candles, so it was pretty magical. But whether she's at a stadium with 50,000 people or in a tent, anytime that Ariana is singing, she brings her all, even when she's doing karaoke with friends. Oh my God, that was the best night of my life. That was so much fun. And I remembered I was mesmerized because, well, first of all, you knew every song, every melody, every lyric, and you could improvise on them, which was amazing. But also, I don't know if I've ever seen you look more joyous. Here's the other thing, more at peace. You looked so peaceful, like, ah. I wondered if you wanted to talk about it a a little bit. How has that developed your voice and taste? I think the theater music gives me so much joy. That was the most fun night. It was like such a precious thing. Theater babies, it's just a different kind of nostalgia. Listening to musical theater is a different kind of fulfilling (laughs) car ride. You know, like if you throw on some Avenue Q or Wicked in the car, like you're just guaranteed to feel comforted. Search for Backstage Pass wherever you're listening right now and enjoy. It won't be hard.